Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz. I'm here in Bloomington, Indiana. We're ready for week two of college football. A full week two, that is, really the third week of the season if you include week zero. Uh, but we've got a full slate this week and some really interesting games, some top 15 matchups in Columbus and in Ames, Iowa. It's going to be an interesting week of college football, and I'm excited. And here to break it all down for me here in the Big Ten is Reed Murray. What's going on, Reed? Patrick, I'm a little gutted, but I'm also I'm kind of buzzing for college football. I'm gutted because my U.S. and Tigers volleyball team unfortunately lost tonight. Um, hey, can't win them all. That breaks my heart a little bit. Yeah, you can't win them all, though. So Can't win them all. We move on. Um, Onward and just, upward. Yeah. You Go got to take it in stride, but I'm super excited. Huge two game. I mean, there's, there's some kind of lower level um, out of conference opponents, but we have two huge games. Like you said, two top 15 games this week. Next week, I'm going to be in Bloomington for Indiana versus Cincinnati. It's true. And of course, show. you can't overlook the Ohio State Oregon game, especially as an Ohio State fan, but I am just desperate for it to be Friday of next week when I'm driving up to Indiana. Yeah, we're going to be doing some live content. We'll have lots of stuff for you next week at Indiana. Cincinnati should be an excellent matchup of two, I think, pretty good teams at Bloomington. I've got Cincinnati in my top five, so should be a good one next week. But let's talk about this week. This week, we've got some big games and some smaller games, some tune-ups for, for a lot of teams. That's, that's a pretty typical week two thing. If they're, you know, if they played maybe a conference game week one, a lot of them will, will look to tune up week two. Or Indiana, just go right example. back to... They need yeah, to tune Indiana, up pretty Indiana, badly. Yeah, no kidding. They need to tune up. They need to tune up in a half uh, on the offensive side of the football. But that's neither here nor there. The two big ones this week, Iowa-Iowa State, top 10 matchup, and Ohio State-Oregon, uh, one that's been circled on the calendar for years at this point. Couldn't play it last year in Eugene, but they're playing it this year in Columbus. So two big ones this week. Reed, but let's start at the top, top of the show. What are you looking for this week? What is your what to watch for for week two? Well, before we get into the what to, what to watch for, I want to take a second for the uh, first and 10 trivia question. Oh, that's right. The trivia question. Thank you for reminding me. Reed, what is our trivia question today? So this week, Ohio State and Oregon are playing one another. Oregon playing a Big Ten team, always a big deal when someone of that um, status comes and plays someone from our conference. So I want to know, who was the most recent Big Ten opponent to play Oregon? That's a good question. And we're talking postseason and regular season here. So let's jog your memories a little bit and see if you remember the last time we here in Big Ten country got to see the Ducks. Uh, and from what I recall, it was a pretty good game. That's the only hint I'll be giving you. So keep that in mind, and we'll get to that at the end of the episode. But on the Oregon Ducks, Reed. Do you have something to watch for in this matchup between the Buckeyes and the Ducks in Columbus? Well, obviously, I, I've always got a gazillion things to watch for for any Ohio State game. Um, biggest thing to watch for is the play of C.J. Stroud because he's got a terrific O-line in front mm -hmm. of him. So, Clayvon Thibodeau, he's obviously going to be a factor in every game he plays in. Um, that O-line could limit him, but I also feel like you see that the Minnesota game, the O-line was phenomenal there, but Stroud, he still looked uncomfortable in the pocket. So, the biggest thing we're going to see this week is how well is Stroud going to deal with likely more pressure than he, he got in, in the Minnesota game, because in that Minnesota game, he looked rattled from the beginning. And of course you're going to have that. He's, he's a young quarterback. He hasn't been playing as a starter at this level until that Minnesota game. So of course it's, it's hard to settle into that role. So you gotta, you know, you gotta forgive him a little bit for that, but 
He's going to go up against a tougher challenge in Oregon this week. How early is he going to be able to establish himself in this game? Because I think eventually you saw it happen last week. The receivers just eventually were too good for Minnesota to handle. Stroud was connecting with them. How early is he going to be able to in this game? I think that's going to dictate how this game finishes. If he comes out and he throws a touchdown pass on the first drive, I think the game is pretty much over. I don't, I don't see Oregon coming back from an Ohio State lead. So it essentially, I, I, I think if it doesn't go well from the beginning, Ohio State's still got a chance. But I think if Stroud can establish a presence in this game as a strong quarterback and a leader and someone who's not going to get rattled by this Oregon defensive line and this Oregon defensive lineman, Thibodeau, that's going to have a huge impact on this game. And if Stroud is able to be unfazed, Ohio State should win this one comfortably. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. A lot of a lot of interesting on CJ Stroud here, his second collegiate start this weekend against what I think is a pretty good Oregon team, although an Oregon team I've got a lot of questions about. An Oregon team, I'm not entirely sure if they're the same caliber as their ranking. But my big thing to watch for this week, it's it's also that same game, Ohio State and Oregon, kind of in the same vein as yours. I wanted to watch Kayvon Thibodeau versus the Ohio State offensive line. Now, Thibodeau, if you are not familiar, if you haven't paid attention to Oregon or the Pac-12 or national college football in general, this guy might be the best player in the country. He, he's seriously uh, just an elite defensive end, being mocked, I think, a top three, maybe even top one prospect in this NFL draft. You know, uh, th- This guy is a game changer and a game wrecker. Uh, he, he is just an explosive player, super talented. You know, you can't say enough good things about him. So uh, this guy is incredible, but... The Ohio State offensive line might be just as incredible. The only team in the Big Ten last week to not allow a single hit on the quarterback was the Buckeyes. That offensive line really destroyed Minnesota from whistle to whistle. Even if Ohio State did struggle in that first half and they were trailing at halftime and credit Ryan Day for making some excellent adjustments because they came out and they wiped the floor with Minnesota in that second half, to be quite honest with you. The offensive line wasn't an issue at all, all night long. The offensive line was great. And and last week, you know, against Minnesota, look at what they did. Um, not a single quarterback hit. And another thing, Boye Mafe, Minnesota's best player on the defensive side of the ball, only three tackles. So if they can give a similar performance this week, I think it's going to be smooth sailing for the Buckeyes. And there's no reason they can lose. If you don't let him get loose on the defensive side of the ball, because he can in a hurry, Ohio State fans, this guy's a lot like Chase Young, maybe even better. Some would say, I don't know if he's better than Chase Young. That that's not that's not my opinion. That is not my opinion, but some people would say it. I think Chase Young's better. Um, if he gets loose, it could it could be a, a tough afternoon. Maybe not a loss, but it, it could be a, a lot closer than Ohio State fans would like it to be. But if there's any offensive line in the country that contain him, can that can contain him, it's this one. Yeah, another thing to watch for in the Ohio State game is can Ohio State limit mistakes because in that Minnesota right. game they early on were the better team and mistakes that allowed Minnesota to get ahead in the first half can Ohio state limit interceptions fumbles um, or just little lapses in concentration and defense, not get a targeting scare like they had on their first defensive drive. Another thing I want to watch for is this Penn state ball state game, because at first glance you say, you know, Oh, Penn state easy win. And then you think, Oh, well, ball state was actually a strong team in the Mac last year. You look what they did last week, Western Illinois, they only win by 10 points. What kind of Ball State team are we going to see against Penn State? Is this a team that's going to give a Penn State defense that had a strong showing last week a rough game? Or is Penn State going to prove to just be above that? That's a game where, obviously, your eyes are going to be drawn to Ohio State, Oregon, and Iowa, Iowa State. Those are the two marquee matchups, not only in the Big Ten, but in college. Also, um, 
Washington, Michigan. That game's the primetime ABC game. Three huge Big Ten games. But in your college football schedule, in your little college football planner, if you have one, you, you should be marking down this mm-hmm. Penn State Ball State game or at least be flipping channels, checking in on the score on ESPN um, while you're watching the big games because Ball State, they had a rough week last week, but you never know. And this could be one of those games where you see upset alerts um, that goes into the half, it's tied or Ball State's winning. This is going to tell us a lot about what kind of team Penn State is and how well they can respond to a challenge. Obviously, bigger challenge in Wisconsin last week than the challenge Ball State's going to present. But how well can they go toe-to-toe with a tough team for two weeks in a row or three weeks in a row because they got to go play Auburn next week? Can they go toe-to-toe with these tough opponents week in, week out? That's what we're going to see against Ball State. Yeah, and you talk about Ball State, a team who won the MAC a season ago, just a great season. Traditionally, you know, being from central Indiana and, and knowing this, this team pretty well, um, traditionally not a great football team uh usually near the bottom of the mac but but what coach new has done he's he's really turned that program around and and they look they look strong at least last year they did obviously struggling with uh, an fcs team to open the year isn't a great look but it's week one and and weird things happen sometimes but you know looking at this ball state team a little bit i love this offense i think drew plitt is maybe the most underrated quarterback in the country this guy is just just a really talented quarterback and and they've got good receivers too justin hall johans tyler Big fans of them. And Carson Steele at running back, a true freshman uh, out of Center Grove High School in Greenwood near Indianapolis. This guy was a high school superstar. Um, Wasn't entirely sure what he would look like at the college level. The offer sheet wasn't there, but he really piled up uh, the numbers in high school at Center Grove, one of the top teams for the state, top teams in the country, really. Uh, And he had a good game last week. He scored. So uh, this Ball State team's legit. It's particularly for a Mac team. And, and I've talked up some Mac teams before. I talked up Kent a little bit on, on other platforms and uh, they did not perform against Texas A&M, but we'll see uh, with Kent. But but I really do like this Ball State team a lot. They, they've got talent and they, they certainly performed well last year. They they won the Mac. They only lost one game and it was their opener to Miami, Ohio. And, and they beat a, a very good San Jose State team in the Arizona Bowl, an undefeated San Jose State team. So yeah, Ball State's good. They're going to give Penn State fits, I think. But I ultimately think the Nittany Lions win this game. I would agree with that. Yeah, uh, definitely definitely one to watch for, though. Good, good, good for pointing that out, Reed. But one that's going to be going on pretty much at the same time as this is Iowa and Iowa State. An Iowa team a week ago who blew the doors off of Indiana, at least in a scoreboard perspective. In the second half, it wasn't much of a blowing the doors off of anything as much as it was uh, blowing everyone to sleep. But yeah, Iowa, an excellent week one showing, kind of surprised people, surprised me, certainly. I didn't didn't see them doing what they did. And Iowa State, the opposite, a team that was being hyped up as a potential playoff dark horse in the offseason, Big 12 runners up a season ago, Brees Hall and Brock Purdy and all this talent and Matt Campbell, I think one of the best coaches in the country. And like they kind of always do, they struggled with Northern Iowa. This isn't saying that they struggle with other FCS teams. Uh, They did lose to North Dakota state once, but they struggle with Northern Iowa pretty much every time they play it and Iowa too. I don't think they lose, but, but they always, it's always close. And yeah, this top 10 Iowa state team beat Northern Iowa by six. This was a, one score game and it was close late um read do you think we can get an accurate read on either of these teams after one game I, I think this game will tell us a lot about both sides here 
Yeah, I think that this game, we still have a lot to learn about these two teams. And the Iowa game, our perception of Iowa could kind of be clouded by the scoreline. The scoreline looked like Iowa just came in and slapped Indiana around left and right. It was really more Indiana who slapped themselves around. Yeah. <laughs> Indiana put themselves in a in quite a few non-ideal positions in that game. So, you know, moving forward, Iowa, definitely a team to be respected, definitely a team to be ranked higher in our polls right now than they had been before week one. However, let's not let that perception be clouded because the offense, the point sounds like a lot, really wasn't amazing in that game. The offense did not explode all over Indiana's defense. So we do need to be cautious when we talk about Iowa as a team um, and as a strong team to compete with top 10 teams. Of course, I would, I actually had Iowa in my top 10. And I think that um, in the AP poll and the student media poll uh, and being in the top 10, that's a fair ranking. But I think with that fair ranking, we do need to make sure we're not gassing them up too much because although I think this is going to be a close game, it's possible. And again, I am going to emphasize possible. I don't think this is going to happen. It is possible Iowa blows the door or Iowa State blows the doors off of Iowa because Iowa might be going to this game feeling really high on themselves, feeling like uh, they're the best team in the world. And then all of a sudden they run into a wall against an Iowa State team that feels like that they feel disrespected after that Northern Iowa game. They feel like they should have won by a lot more. They feel like they had missed some opportunities. You never know. Yeah, um, and looking at this game in particular, this Iowa State game, you know, when I when I was looking up my my research for this week for this for this episode, I was expecting Iowa to be favored. I know it's a road game, but I was expecting Iowa to be favored after the performances we saw last week. Iowa State's actually a four and a half point favorite, which I thought was interesting because all the buzz I hear around this game, it's it's about Iowa is the better team. I know Iowa State's higher ranked. I know they're at home, but just looking at what we saw last week, it's tough to see Iowa not as the favorite in this one. I don't know. I mean, for me, and are we giving picks right now, or are we gonna are we, are we gonna wait to give our picks for this one for later? Let's do it. Let's make some picks. Oh yeah. So for me, I have Iowa State winning this one 31-24, which is it feels wrong because we've talked about that before. Even in years where Iowa State has been the better team, where they've looked strong, Iowa always has their rivals' number. They always figure out what it wins. So I do have this feeling in the back of my brain, like no matter what Brees Hall or the Iowa State team does, I was going to come away with a win. I do have that little feeling. I do have that little voice in my head telling me that. However, I still feel like Iowa State's going to get this one done. They're finally going to beat their in-state rival. I feel like one of the biggest challenges for Iowa is going to be Brees Hall. We've mentioned his name earlier on this episode. Um, you look at that game against Indiana, the, the secondary looked good, and they had – you know, Michael Penix obviously was not in his best game, but they forced Michael Penix to have a rough game. They did not really face a strong Indiana running attack because Indiana doesn't really have that. Definitely not on the level that Iowa State does. So when they go up against Brees Hall, a guy who presents something that Indiana did not present against them, I'm curious as to how they will respond to that. And I don't think they'll respond well just because Paul is a phenomenal tailback. He is, but at the same time, this Iowa, this Iowa defense last week was so, so good. And maybe it was more Indiana shooting themselves in the foot repeatedly, but nothing that I saw from Iowa State last week, and I watched that game, nothing I saw from them made me think that that they're going to go in and they're going to just outplay Iowa. I just don't. I, I think Iowa's better. Iowa has their number traditionally in the series. 
I don't care where they're playing. I'm taking Iowa, and I'm going to take Iowa in a close one. I'm going to say Iowa wins, and it's going to be a weird score. Safety game almost. 17 I can to see 15. that. I can see this as a safety game. This, this sure. always is. Um, as, as the Cyhawk game has been famously termed in, in the past by many college football people, El Asico. <laughs> yeah, this is this is not my words. This is the words of some many people. This is, this is a common term. It's going to get weird. 17 to 15, Iowa. I could see that. I could see a safety. I could see one of those weird safeties that counts for one point because it's on a two-point conversion or whatever. Um, I don't know. I could see a bunch of funky stuff going down in this one. I could see two-point conversions involved. I mean, 16 to 10 isn't the weirdest score, but they had a slightly weird score against Northern Iowa. Totally could see this as a safety game. Um, I don't know. I just feel like in addition to Brees Hall, we are kind of underestimating the impact of crowds. We, we went an entire season without crowds, and the home field advantage is unreal right now. When a team is at home, and I think we're going to see this at Ohio State too, and that's part of the reason why I think Ohio State really pours it on at the end of the game. I think they're going to, I think it's going to be a close sort of low-scoring game for a while, and Ohio State's going to pour it on. The crowd is going to play such an impact. Teams have teams are going to go from having zero to a, you know maybe 200 or whatever fans in the crowd to having thousands and tens of thousands and 100,000 in a few stadiums. So I think for Iowa State, they I believe they had played with a limited crowd, but even then, them having a much louder crowd in Iowa, they hadn't gone into that kind of atmosphere. They didn't play in a bowl game last year. So this is going to be an unprecedented atmosphere for Iowa, and I think it'll be just too huge of a challenge for them. Yeah, um, but my thing, again, Iowa State beat an FCS team by six last week, and I know they always do that with Northern Iowa, and maybe it should be more indicative of the strength of Northern Iowa as one of the top programs in FCS. But I don't know. I, it's just tough for me to pick them. If you're telling me to pick a team who beat a team I, I fancied Indiana as a top 15 team in the country going into that game, and Iowa beat them by you know multiple touchdowns. And I, Iowa State last week, they only beat an FCS program by six. It's it's just tough for me to look at those and 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 not at least weigh that into my predictions a little bit. And, and really, Iowa just owns the series. That's the other thing. Iowa owns them. Uh, I'm not picking against Iowa and the Cyhawk. Give, give me the Hawkeyes. I like that historical um, reasoning because absolutely, I feel like Iowa come in this team. Or I, Iowa could come into this game with a seven and five or so team, and Iowa State could be eleven and one or something, and Iowa could still come up with them. absolutely because that's just what they do. They play their rival well. It's different when it's a rivalry. We've seen it at Ohio State, Michigan. There were there were, there have been times where Ohio State was the Illinois. worst team, and Ohio State comes away with the win. Yeah, Northwestern because... Illinois is another. This is, that's what this reminds me of the most is no matter how good or bad Northwestern, or no matter how good or bad Illinois is, same with Iowa State. Can't beat the rival. They can't beat Iowa. They can't beat Northwestern. That's my parallel. See it, but I think this is the year. I think Iowa State, especially last year, they thought it was going to be their year. They thought they had a chance of going to the playoff, right. or you know, they ended up making the Fiesta Bowl, but still they did not win the Big Twelve. They thought that was going to be the year for them. Now they still have Brock Purdy. They still have Brees Hall. This is the year they want to make things. They want to have an unprecedented season for Iowa State football. I think a huge part of that is being Iowa because that would be pretty unprecedented in the last few years to beat their huge rival, the Hawkeyes. I, I think just a lot of intangibles are on the Cyclone side, and you know I'm a big intangibles guy. Oh, yeah. I got Iowa State. Should be a good one. 31-24 Cyclones for me. That's I don't a lot know if I'd scoring. said that before, but that's my prediction. A lot of scoring. Should be a good one of names. Okay, moving on to our next one. This is my game of the week. Ohio State and Oregon, a game we've been hyping up for years and years and years in Columbus. 
I've got Ohio State 45 to 28. Now, I think early, this is going to be like a lot of Ohio State games. I, I, I think this is going to be a theme this season. I think Ohio State early, they might only have like four. I think they score 14 in the first half and finish with 45. Ohio State is the best team in the country at making adjustments. And I think that, you know, that coupled with a young quarterback playing his first game in, in Ohio Stadium, you know, could be, it could be a little shaky early, maybe. But they figure it out late. And like you said, they, they pile on points late. That's, that's Ohio State's thing is they make games look worse than they actually were. <laughs> you know, like they also get piled on when they play teams like Rutgers or whatever, you'd, when you'd expect them to win by 40. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah, but. it gets closer. Yeah, the, the end of games for Ohio State always get are different. You, the, the fourth quarter always changes. You got to judge by the third quarter score pretty much. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's why, like Minnesota last week, Ohio State was, it was close. Uh, even though, yeah, by, by the fourth, Ohio State had, had kind of buried them. And, and I think we see something like that this week. So 45-28 is going to be my final. I think Ohio State is just a better team. Oregon, I want to talk about Oregon a little bit. So here's the team. I see everybody saying, oh, they won their conference last year. They must be good. Context matters. Yeah, uh, they didn't really in my eyes. They got a Mickey Mouse trophy last year. Absolutely Mickey Mouse trophy. Uh, so if you don't know the story, Oregon last year, Played in the Pac-12 championship, and they beat USC, which sounds good in theory. With that being said, they played like four conference games. They lost to Oregon State, and they only got to the conference championship because Washington got COVID and couldn't go, so they picked the second-place team, and that was Oregon. So Oregon played USC in the conference championship. Clay Hilton did Clay Hilton things in a big game, and USC lost. So Oregon went to the Fiesta Bowl, played Iowa State, and they also didn't win. So... Here they are. Oregon gets a high preseason ranking. They squeak past Fresno State by seven last week. Fresno is actually pretty good. Uh, shout out to Kalen DeBoer, former Indiana offensive coordinator. He's got the Bulldogs rolling. I think they've got a, a good team out there in the Mountain West this year. But they beat him by seven at home. If you're beating Fresno by seven, I don't see you. And that stadium, Alton Stadium, is supposed to be a fortress, too. Yeah. That's what it's known for. Yeah, and if you're only beating Fresno by seven at home, I don't see you going into Ohio Stadium and coming out alive. Sorry. I don't either. Buckeyes by 17. Yeah, I'm going to go to the Ohio State 30-24. I think I completely agree with you. This is going to be a game where it starts out a little slow. I think it's going to be a game more dictated by the running game than it is the passing game. Just because, like we said, it's early in C.J. Stroud's Ohio State career. Not expecting huge things from him. It would be amazing if he just goes off and Ohio State has – a super high scoring first half and they're fantastic all around. I don't see it happening though. So I think it's going to be a game dictated by the running game. I also think this will, this has the potential to be a huge Travion Henderson game. And this could be the game where he really establishes himself as Ohio state's number one running back. I think master Teague plus Clayvon Thibodeau or any good D line or D lineman is not a good combination. Travion Henderson has that way speed where he gets by one guy and boom, he's gone. This could be a game where he racks up a lot of yards. This could be his version. This could be a, early early version of the trey sermon northwestern game last like year in the weekend championship <laughs> i totally could see that happening that's sort of my prediction is that he has a decent first half ohio state maybe gets 17 or so points and then he he can carries that on to the second half and the second half is when stroud olave and they all start clicking and connecting um jeremy rucker too i think you know these guys all start to sort of connect in the second half and that's when it all comes together for ohio state and that's when they really start to pour on the points and make it a signature Ohio State big game. I don't see this being like the Ohio State-Wisconsin game of two years ago where it's two highly ranked teams and Ohio State just blows them out of the water. I think Oregon keeps this one close early. 
eventually the Ohio State is just a much stronger team. Oregon, I don't think they're quite what the media makes them out to be in terms of their strength. And I think we saw that against Fresno State. And like you said, last year, they, were, they had a poor season last year. There's no ifs, ands, or buts around it. That was not a good Oregon season. That's not what you expect from Oregon. And it's that, like we talked about clouded perceptions so far in this podcast, the, the, the perception of them was sort of clouded by that Pac-12 trophy. I don't consider that to be a super valid trophy. And you would agree with me on that. Mm-hmm. They had a poor season last year. It's haven't a seen a ton, I haven't seen a ton from them to tell me that this year should be much different. Tin pot trophy. Absolutely. <laughs> a little soccer term. Okay. Uh, next game I want to get into here, Illinois at Virginia. Uh, the Illini lost last week to UTSA after beating Nebraska week one. Uh, this game in Virginia, Scott Stadium, Charlottesville, 11 a.m. kickoff Eastern time. So that's 10 a.m. in Illinois. Kind of sucks for them. By the way, another time zone thing I want to talk about real quick on going back to Ohio State, Oregon. Um, Oregon's playing this game at 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific. Well, their body clocks will feel like 9 a.m. Pacific, even if it's 12 p.m. in Columbus, uh, which, number one, that sucks for Oregon fans that the game kicks at 9 a.m. Uh, for all, all the people, like, in Oregon. That's horrible, and I feel bad for them. But uh, I blame Fox. Um, but beyond that, uh, that could still be a little weird. Uh, I know it would definitely be weird for me if I were three hours behind and it felt like I was just waking up and uh, it was actually noon for a football game. Interesting though. Uh, Illinois though, that's 10 AM local for, for Illini fans and, uh, for people in Champaign, which, uh, also probably annoying for them more than anything. Uh, yeah, I don't see Illinois winning this game. I, I did in the preseason have them winning this, but I also had them beating UTSA and that game really does cloud my perceptions. I'm starting to think that Illinois isn't actually that good and maybe they still have a, sh- a shot at six wins. I think they do in the Big Ten West. Anything is possible, but I'm I'm mostly just starting to think that Nebraska sucks. So when we talk about Nebraska sucking, I think we have to talk about a certain individual on this podcast who foresaw that. Reed but, Thomas. But uh, and of course, it's a little early to say that it was Nebraska still going to get their second win of the season this week against Buffalo. So um, there's still some unwritten. Um, you know, Nebraska's story is not completely written, but I, I kind of agree with you. I'm still going to go with an Illinois win here. I'm just not convinced by, by Virginia that they're a solid team. I think Illinois, first of all, I think UTSA is a solid team. And though I think Illinois still should have won that game, um, the loss isn't as bad as it looks at first glance. Plus, I like Art Sitowski at quarterback. I think he's really turning his Big Ten career around in addition to the fact that um, – this is a team that's going to be hungry for a win against a sort of weak power five team. It's hard to really gauge what kind of team Virginia is going to be this season after they played William and Mary. Of course, that's not a, you can't really get a much conclusive um, results from that game, but I, I, I got to go with Illinois this one. I'm going to go with a 24 to 14 Illinois win. Interesting take. I like it. Uh, it certainly would back up my predictions for Illinois. All right. Here's a fun part of the show we're going to call the FCS and G5 gauntlet. We're just going to run through uh, a lot of these middle tier, you know, these kind of lower tier games. Uh, we're going to we're going to cap off the show by talking about Ball State, Penn State, and Iowa, Iowa, uh, Ball State, Iowa versus Iowa State. Excuse me, can't talk today. And Washington, Michigan. But in the meantime, let's run through some of these other games that I think the winner is pretty cut and dry. Okay, Youngstown State at Michigan State. Michigan State by how much? 
I'm going to go Michigan State 56 to 3. Youngstown, I mean, they're a solid group of five team, but they're still Youngstown State going up against Kenneth Walker. No way. I'm saying uh, 41 to 10, Michigan State at home. All right. Miami, Ohio at Minnesota. Miami, Ohio got blown out by Cincinnati last week. Gophers win by 42 7 for me. Um, I'm going to say it's a little closer than that. I'll say Minnesota 35, Miami 14. Next one, Indiana State, my beloved Sycamores uh, from Terre Haute, Indiana. Uh, I've had many relatives go to the school. I've got many relatives in Terre Haute. Love the trees. Go trees. Uh, shout out to Indiana State. But they're playing at Northwestern this week. Uh, while the trees have got a pretty good FCS program uh, and they got a good win last week, I don't see them winning. Uh, or two weeks ago they got the win, but I don't see them winning this week. Uh, Northwestern, I'm going to say wins this game. Uh, go 35 10. I'm going to go same score, but plus 10 for Northwestern, 45-10. 45-10 for Northwestern. Uh, Rutgers and Syracuse. I think this one's a pretty – this is going to sound stupid, but I think Rutgers is a pretty obvious win here. Syracuse sucks. They were 1-10 a season ago. I don't care where they're playing this game. Uh, Rutgers is a better, more talented, better coached football team. Uh, yeah, Syracuse isn't winning this game. I'm going to say Rutgers wins here. Uh Screw it. Rutgers is going to score a lot of points. 35 for Rutgers, 17 uh, for, for Syracuse. Yeah, Rutgers by a lot. I'm going to go 28-14 Rutgers. Next one, Purdue at UConn. A road game for Purdue. Kind of a weird one in stores. Uh, three o'clock I like UConn Sunday. Stadium, by the way. It's kind of an odd little stadium, but it's used for a lot of purposes. They've had Hartford Athletic plays there. That's a soccer team. Toronto FC played their games there. At the end of last year, I've seen it used for U.S. Women's National Team games. Kind of an odd little place, but it's a, I don't know, I, I kind of like it. Too bad it hosts the worst team in FBS. Uh, UConn football is horrible. They're the worst. Their head coach, Randy Edsel, just retired. It's week two. They're going to be bringing a new quarterback, too. Purdue 72, UConn nothing. Wow. I'm going to go 42-13, a little more conservative take there. And maybe not 72 to nothing. Maybe that was too much. No, stick with it. Okay. You can't be afraid to be bold on this show. <laughs> can't be afraid to be bold. I don't know if they'll actually win 72 to nothing, but uh, that's we what you They won't actually win 72 to nothing. Oh, no. Oh, imagine they if they do and, and your outlandish prediction is right, how cool you'll feel. <laughs> UConn just deserves a prediction like that. That is a lifeless program. Especially if they had all those renovations to their facilities and everything. What a bunch of money down the drain. You know what? I, I, mean, I don't actually think Purdue's going to win by that much. But No, you do. You have to. Can I be honest? That's the respect UConn deserves. That's what they deserve. They deserve a 72-0 defeat. I mean, they have they have killed that program. Uh, th this is a team that went to a, a, a New Year's Six game like a decade ago. Killed it. Absolutely killed it. UConn is the worst team in Power 5, or not in Power 5, excuse me, in FBS. They're the worst team in FBS. They lost to Holy Cross last week, an FCS team. Just embarrassing. An absolute shambles program. Speaking of shambles programs, Buffalo, a team who was really good last year, and then Lance Liable left for Kansas, and all their good players left for Kansas. They're at Nebraska this week. Here's something we're not going to say often. Reed, Nebraska wins this game by a lot. Uh, I'm going to take Nebraska 41 and uh, Buffalo uh, 14. We are off by two points. I'm going 42 to 13. Ah, <laughs> I like the way you think. Uh, next one, Eastern Michigan at Wisconsin. Wisconsin struggled last week, but again, a Mac team, Emu coming in. Should win this game by a lot. Uh, let's go Badgers, 41. Now, 
I just said 41. Uh, Badgers, uh, 52. Emu, 10. You bastard. I have Badgers, 52. EMU, 0, though. 0. Okay. Stealing yeah. all my numbers. So we're one digit away. One digit. Exactly. Uh, another one next week. Or next game. Indiana Hoosiers hosting Idaho. 32 and a half point favorites are the Hoosiers. Uh, struggled last week, obviously, but big tune-up game here against the Vandals. A team Reed knows all too well from his NCAA 14 days. Kibbe Dome, uh, rest in peace to Idaho and the FBS. When this game was scheduled, Idaho was still an FBS program. They have since dropped down to FCS. Indiana should win this game by a lot. Big tune-up game this week for the Hoosiers. Uh, it's set up for Cincinnati next week. Let's go, Indiana. Uh, hmm. 68. 610 is mine. No, not 68. 68 is too many. I don't trust the offense enough. Uh, I'm going to say uh, 54 to 3. 54 to 3, Indiana. 56 10 Hoosiers over here. 56 10. I don't see him giving up 10 points. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> I don't think they'll go up a touchdown. You never know. It, it, one play goes wrong and they've got a touchdown. So true. You true, know. true, true. Next game Howard, Maryland. Remember the last time these teams played? One of the first games in first and 10 history? 79 to nothing was the score. Will it be similar this time around, Reed? I'm saying yes. Let's go 72 to 3, Maryland. This is a better Maryland team than it was that time. I'm going 72 to 3. Maryland crushes them. I'm going 65 3. Yeah, this should be a blowout. Won't even be close. All right, let's talk about some good games. Ball State at Penn State. We both think Ball State keeps it close, but Penn State wins it in the end. My final. Penn State 24, uh, Ball State 16. 16 for Ball State. I am going to go – I'm trying to find out my picture right here. 35-17, Penn State. Penn State, I think, kind of pulls away in the end. They've kind of pulled Ohio State, in my opinion. Pull, they, pull, they, they pull in Ohio sort of State. Pull, they sort of pour the points on in the end. Yeah, I don't know if I can see them pouring the points on. I don't know if it's that kind of offense, but should be interesting. I think that's a pretty good matchup. All right, next game. Washington, Michigan, Washington, a team who came into the season with some dark horse playoff hype, uh, a ranked team. People were you were hyping. About, you were talking about Pac-12 champs. I was hyping them up. I admit, I'm sorry. I trusted Phil Steele's preview too much. <laughs> Phil Steele's always right. Phil Steele was the only other person on the Northwestern train with me last year. So uh, I was going to trust him on Washington. And I was dead wrong. So whatever. Uh, Washington lost to Montana and FCS program last week. Michigan looked pretty good. Yeah, I don't I don't see Michigan losing this, although it would be very funny if they did. I'm going to say Michigan 31, Washington 21. Wouldn't it be the most Michigan thing ever if they did, though? That'd be so Michigan, yeah. Answer to that is yes, but the answer to the question, will it happen? No. I'm going to go Wolverines 24-14. I think Michigan keeps it unnecessarily close just because that's just kind of the team they are. And I also, I mean – bad result last week or not they're still a solid group of five or group of five, power five team and can Cade McNamara get it done against a solid power five team that's a big question I think eventually he gets it done but can he pull away from them and make his team truly dominant I'd say no so it'll be a 10 point somewhat close Michigan win but a Michigan win nonetheless both with Michigan on this one last don't ever the- say that I was unfair to Michigan because this I'm putting faith in them. Last game of the week. Let's repeat our predictions for Iowa State versus Iowa. 17 to 15 Hawkeyes is my prediction. I broke that down a little bit earlier. Reed, final score. I got it with 31-24 Iowa State. 31-24. That's a lot of scoring for a Cyhawk game. 
Yeah, but I mean, I think again, I think hey. this is one of those games where it more points, a lot of points come in the fourth quarter. It's going to be a back to back bang bang kind of game. The end, I think it's a sort of grinded out classic Cyhawk football game in the first half, and then it's in the second half, Brees Hall just kind of, I think he gets into his groove, he starts going off, and then Iowa has to back that up, get more points on the board. I think they go toe to toe back to back in the fourth quarter. Iowa State comes out on top. Not afraid to be bold. Not afraid to be bold, though. And that'll do it for our show, except for one final thing the trivia question. Reed, who was the last Big Ten team the Oregon Ducks faced? The last time the Oregon Ducks took on a Big Ten opponent was January 1st, 2020 in the Rose Bowl. They won by one point, led by Justin Herbert against the Wisconsin Badgers. You remember that game? Read. We covered that game because we were doing first and ten at the time. Pretty fun. We were. I was in Dallas for that one. I was in Dallas for the uh, Bridgestone Winter Classic between the Nashville Predators and the Dallas Stars. Unfortunately, we did not win that game. But I did watch that one in a Mexican restaurant in Dallas. It was a good game. It was an exciting game. It was a close game, obviously, by the score. And Justin Herbert, what a player he is. Um, so always yeah, exciting when you just, get to watch him play. Justin Herbert, that game, though, not really the guy we've seen in the NFL. He got it done with his legs in that game. And, and he, gosh, the player he's become in the NFL is completely different than what we saw at Oregon. He's doing things that, that I never thought he even had in him at Oregon. That's true. He is one of the, It's kind of like Terry McLaurin, where Terry McLaurin, he was kind of – uh, he was a total, to bring back an old first and 10 term, he was a Cheerio man. Not a flashy guy, not a guy who gets a ton of attention. Absolute <laughs> Cheerio man. He's God, like we haven't said that in forever. The epitome of, of that kind of player profile. Absolutely, yeah. That is exactly who, who McLaurin was. And then the NFL, all of a sudden, he's a big star. He's he's getting uh, rookie of the year. Uh, you know, people are arguing from rookie of the year. Herbert, just kind of the same way. I mean, he got, he got more attention just from being the starting quarterback at a big program mm-hmm. like Oregon, but yeah, what a new player he's become in the pros. Absolutely. An uh, NFL starting this week, so we'll see him in action on Sunday with the Chargers. And that'll do it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening to the First Attempt Podcast, and we will see you next time. Bye.